We started a series last week about the Bible invitations and I'm sure that these sermons have been preached throughout the ages and, and there's variations here or there, but we find here another invitation and it is to join Moses. So verse 29 of Numbers chapter number 10, the scripture says, And Moses said unto Hobab, the son of Reguel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are journeying into unto the place of which the Lord said, I will give it you. Come thou with us, and we will do thee good. For the Lord hath spoken good concerning Israel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your blessing. We thank you, Lord, for the burdens that you've given us. Lord, some of these burdens are ones that I just assume give to someone else, but they're ours nonetheless. So, Father, I thank you for them. God, I thank you for the care that you've placed in my heart for these things. But, Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as we try to preach your word. Lord, I ask you that you would help us to stay in the text, help us to stay in your word, Help us to stay on track as you will. I pray that you'd help your people today. Father, I pray that you'd put a burden in their hearts to get somebody and bring them with them. Father, we ask you that you'd have your will and your way in our hearts, in our lives. Bless the requests that were mentioned earlier. Help our people today in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is an invitation and is specifically from Moses, and we'll discuss that in a moment, but it is specifically from Moses, and it is, as I can tell, this Hobab is Moses' brother-in-law. That's the only way I know how to explain it. Now, if you go back to Exodus, I believe it's chapter number 3, you'll find the name of Moses' father-in-law being Jethro. And here it says that Hobab is the son of Moses' father-in-law, but he calls him Raguel or Ragel, however you say it. And these are the same people, Jethro and Raguel, they're the same man. I can't explain why his name was changed, but we understand that Hobab is his brother-in-law. And so he has met his family, he has met this member, his brother-in-law, And he asks him, I want you to come and go with us. Look what he says in verse 29. He says, come thou with us. And that's the the title of the message today. But this is an invitation that he has extended to his family, if you will, to come with the people of Israel and to join them in their journey. And it is an invitation that you and I must also extend to everyone that would listen today. It is an invitation that we must extend to our family, to our friends, to our co-workers. It is a, it is an invitation that must be extended by the people of God today if we're going to be successful in the eyes of God. I thought about this during Sunday school. Brother David said something about this, so few people being in Sunday school this morning. And, and I've noticed that as well. But I just wonder if the reason why, now I understand the, the reason why there's so few people in Sunday school, because we've started a teenage boys class, so there's three or four. We've started a teenage girls class, so there's 112. 
Then we got the, the young folks Sunday school class. We got the nursery. So it's as if we've sucked everyone out of here. But I, just in passing, if you weren't at Sunday school, shame on you because this is where you need to be. Can three people say amen right there? This is where you need to be. The, the young class, they, they need folks in there. The teenage girls, they need folks. The, the boys class, we started the boys class for two of our people, two of our young boys, and they're not always there. And so you kind of wonder, well, it is it, is it any good to continue on? Brother Jody, can I tell you? Yes, sir. Just keep on keeping on. Even if it's you and one other, even if it's yourself, get in there, find you a mirror, put in there and teach to yourself. Just keep on pressing on. Brother David's class, we, we come in here and there's maybe 10 or so and I don't, I didn't look around to see how many were here and how many were not here this morning, but I, I realize that there's low in number. But it makes me wonder if one of the reasons why we're so low in number is because we're not going and getting someone else to come with us. It makes us wonder if we can, if we can somehow look 25 years in the future. Brother David, you said you're, you're 51 here in just a couple months. So I, you, we've established this week, I'm not good on math. That makes you in your seventies, right? In 25 years, that would make you in your seventies. Kurt, that would make you finally in your thirties. No, you'd be a little bit older than that. Kurt, he's, he's on a different time scale. He don't age like the rest of us. You, Nathan, you'd be grown. You're, I don't know, maybe maybe beyond college, you're a professional musician somewhere. I don't know. you got children coming out of everywhere. I, I don't know. But 25 years from now, what will this church look like if nothing else changes? Some of our folks that are in their 80s now, they may be gone on. And those young ones that are in here, they're some of your age now. But nobody's telling people about Christ. Nobody's saying, come with us. So if nobody today is crying out, come with us, then guess what? In 25 years, this church is liable to be empty and be decrepit and be eat up with termites because no one has invited someone to come to God's... Y'all picking up what I'm putting down this morning? We need to issue this invitation. And Moses invited his brother-in-law, come thou with us. I want to give you these few things and I'm going to the house. Number one, who gave this invitation? Well, I've already said that Moses gave this invitation. But Moses, as the leader of the people, he spoke for the people, but he also spoke for their benefit. He issued this invitation on behalf of the people and for the benefit of the people. You say, I don't understand how this one invitation could benefit the people. We'll find out in just a moment. But Moses had already seen that there were over 600,000 people, probably closer to 1.2 million people that were in his, uh, in his congregation, if you will. And he could see the many folks that have already passed away, or he could see kind of in the future and see, uh, those 80s and 90s and 100 year olds that would pass away. He could see the generation that was coming up and he 
need, he knew he needed to invite someone else to join him. And as we look at who gave this invitation, we also see that those that were journeying to a better land gave this invitation. You understand that at this point, we could go back to uh, Exodus chapter 14 and we could kind of line up the happenings here. Uh, But we find that Israel has now, they have left Egypt, they have crossed the Red Sea, God has protected them, God has done some miraculous things for them. They are now in the wilderness, and being in the wilderness, Israel understood that they were delivered. And you again, you could go throughout these pages, and you could find where they knew, Nick, that they were uh, set free. But then you turn the page, and they said, would to God we'd stayed in Egypt. I'd rather have the leeks and the garlics of Egypt than, than the manna and the quail. Somebody going to have to help me this morning. Hey, I know sometimes we get in the wilderness, and things are hot. We get weary and well-doing, but as long as God's providing, would to God that we never say, let's go back to Egypt and get the leeks and the garlic from over yonder. Let's, let's just don't do it. Let's not entertain. I'm about to have a fit. Let's not even entertain going backwards in this thing, but keep pressing on. Amen. So the people, Israel, they issued this invitation. And they were headed to, if I could say it like this, they were headed to the promised land. They would look with me. The Bible says, come thou with us, he says, uh, somewhere here in verse 29. He says, and we will do thee good, for the Lord hath spoken good concerning Israel. I want you to know today how that they gave this invitation because not only did they know where they had come from, but bless God, they knew where they were going. And you and I have got an invitation to give and it's an invitation to come and if they begin to question how oh, where'd you come from just say I came from the world I came from sin and sorrow I came from separation and enmity with God I came from destruction in hell oh, but where are you going oh I'm going to a better land I'm going to a land that the Lord promised I'm going to a brighter land I'm going to a land where there'll be no more sickness no more sorrow sorrow, no more weakness, no more pain, no more separate. Where are you going? I'm going to glory. Won't you come and go with us? Heaven is prepared for us. We see that uh, in relation to this promised land, the Bible said there in verse number, uh, let me see if I can find it again. Uh, you, you can look in there. I've got it quoted here. Uh, it says, the Lord said, I will give it you, the Lord has promised to give them a possession. They, He promised, <laughs> He promised to give a future possession to former slaves. Think about that for a minute. Think about it, brother Kurt. We we were slaves to ourselves, to sin, and to Satan. We were slaves to that mess. But God gave us a future possession. 
He gave, we didn't deserve it, but He gave us something that, that if you go back and you begin to look at the dark history of America when we held slaves and we held men and women and children captive, uh, they did not have free reign to buy and to purchase and to sell. They could not own, they could not build a name for themselves. And they, as far as they, back in that, that uh, era of time in, in America and really all over the world, uh, they, they did not deserve anything. But I'm glad, though I did not deserve anything, Brother Kurt, I'm glad that God decided, listen son, you've been set free and you're free indeed. Somebody tell me what it means. As if you'd never been a slave to begin with. So I'm going to prepare a place for you. We need to tell them, just come with us. So heaven is prepared for God's people. He said there in John 14, verse 2, I go to prepare a place for you. There's these former slaves to sin are now citizens of heaven. In Philippians chapter 3, verse number 20, it says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This word conversation a lot of times will mean two different things in your King James Bible. It may mean your conversation. It says, let your converse, uh, uh, excuse me. <laughs> the scripture said, let your conversation be without covetous. And so that word conversation, it means your lifestyle, the things that you do, the words that you say. Let it be without covetousness. But here he says, uh, for our convert conversation is in heaven. This word conversation, it means your citizenship. Brother Jody, you remember yesterday we were talking and we talked about how that we've already been seen in heaven. You remember John wrote in the book of Revelation that you and I have already been seen in heaven. We may not be there right now, but God's already placed us there. God has already allowed somebody to see us there. We know how this thing's going to end. And I'm glad, though I was a former slave, I'm thankful that now I'm a citizen of heaven. John, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter number 1, verse number 11 through 14. It says, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Somebody help me right there. Brother David talked to maybe a Sunday school about giving an inheritance to his children. And God has given us an inheritance. He's given us something that we can hope in. Something that we can look forward to. He says, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Verse number 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. I'm thankful that it describes not only what the truth, or it tells us what the truth is. He says it is the gospel of our salvation. He says in this gospel had, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now we're talking about
about the inheritance. We're talking about having citizenship in heaven. He says that he gave us an inheritance. He says that we were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Then in verse number 14, he says, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto praise of his glory. This word earnest, it is a promise to supply. It is a promise to continue. It is a promise that the work will be completed. I remember when I paid off or uh, paid the down payment for our trailer up in Knoxville. Uh, the salesman said, all right, I need $5,000 in earnest money. And his name was Bob Moffat. I have no idea why I remember his name, Brother David. I can't remember nobody else's. But honey, that was 21, 22 years ago. His name was Bob Moffat. I said, Mr. Bob, uh, what is earnest money? And he said, oh, understand. He says, if you put down this earnest money, then you are, you are establishing your intent to pay the amount in full. We're talking about being former slaves and how that we have citizenship in heaven. And the Bible says that the Holy Ghost is the earnest of our inheritance. It is the promise of our completion until the redemption of the purchased possession Unto the praise of His glory. We need to start asking folks to come with us because there it is an inheritance to be offered. So, who gave this invitation? Number two, who got this invitation? Who received this invitation? It was given to someone dear to Moses. It was given to a part of the family. And Moses wanted him to share in the blessings ahead. Let's look back at verse 29. Moses said unto Hobab, We are journeying unto the place of which the Lord said, I will give it you. Come thou with us, and we will do thee good. For the Lord hath spoken good things concerning Israel. He says, Hobab, I want you to come with us. Because God has already blessed us, but God has promised, look at the end of verse number uh, 29, the Lord hath spoken good concerning Israel. He said not only was God good yesterday and all of the yesterdays beyond that, but God has promised that He's going to be good for all of our tomorrows. He said, Hobab, would you just come? Oh, we need something from you. I believe that Moses had a plan for him to serve while he was on the journey. I was thinking of several things uh, uh, in Sunday school this morning. Oh, but I wonder if we had to pick someone in the church that could hold a position, someone that would be willing to do a work for God. I wonder if we could find someone... Not that is worthy. I don't want it to be said like that. But could we find someone that is faithful enough and true enough uh, in themselves and to God to do a work for God in His house? That's a convicting thought if you'll think about it. And here we go. We find Moses calling Hobab and he says, we need you. He says, we need you to be instead of I. What in the world? What does this even mean? Well, understand that Hobab was a Bedouin. Hobab lived, you can go back to his daddy, Jethro, and you can find that he lived in the desert. You can find that he wandered in the desert. He wasn't wandering as if he was lost. 
But he was wondering because that's where he lived. He knew the caves. He knew where the oases were. He knew where the shade trees were. He knew all of those places. And Moses said, we need you with us. Now, if you've got a, if you've got a Schofield Bible, Schofield's going to throw some shade at Hobab and at Moses. You can look at it. I, I, I just, I almost tore that page out because he made me mad. Schofield said, why in the world would, why in the world would Moses ask Hobab to be the eyes of Israel when they clearly have the cloud? When God is the cloud leading them, as they began thinking and praying about this, the cloud led them to a general location. But Hobab was able, because of his experience, to lead them to a particular place for safety and provision. Alexander McLaren said, What did Moses want a man for when he had the cloud? It's not a bad question to ask. He says, What do we want common sense for when we have God's Spirit? What do we want experience and counsel for when we have divine guidance promised to us? He said, these two things work together. These two things worked. Yes, they had the cloud leading them, but they needed someone to help them find just the right place. Matter of fact, if you look with me in verse number 31, I believe it is. He says, uh, well, I'll go ahead and tell you in verse number 30, Hoab said, no, no, I ain't going with you. Probably might not have spoke just like that, but it's pretty close. That's that Hebrew dialect or that Arabian, no. More sounds kind of like Wendy Bagwell, if you ask me, but it'll work. He's from Smyrna, Georgia, so it's pretty close. He says, I will not go, but I will depart to my own land and to my own kindred. Verse 31 said, Leave us not, I pray thee, for as much as thou knowest how we are to encamp in the wilderness, and thou mayest be to us instead of eyes. Moses says, Listen, We've been slaves all of our lives. We don't know how to go out and camp. We don't know where the right place is to do we do we pitch our tent towards the north or the south? Uh, is there something to look for out here in the wilderness? Should we always go towards water? What should we do? And he says, I need you to come along to help us. And just as a matter of application, I want us to know today how that everybody that we come in contact and that we should be extending this invitation, they have something to offer to God. Can somebody help me right there? They may not be able to sing or play an instrument. They may not be able to preach. They may not be able to do very many things. But I guarantee you how they can offer something to God and to the body of Christ. And so we ought not nitpick and say, Oh, well, I'm going to go to this one because of his gifts. I'm going to go to this one because of her money. I'm going to go to this one because of her looks. No, honey. I just go out and tell the world about a, about a Savior that wants to bring them in along this journey. But Moses said, we need your eyes. We need your eyes. This is an invitation that was given to one who would be helped by accepting. I told you in verse number 30 that he said no. Verse 31, Moses pled his case. Verse number 32, and he says, and it shall be if thou go with us. That what goodness the Lord shall do unto us 
the same will we do unto thee. Look at the first part of verse 33. And they departed. Hobab went with him. I don't know if it was the promise of a job. Or maybe it wasn't the promise of blessings. I don't know, Benji. I just do not know. But I can remember when I got saved, had absolutely nothing that I could offer to God. But yet He gave me the invitation. I knew because of the testimonies of others that God would bless those that loved Him and followed Him. And uh, and I knew that there was a promise of heaven one day. And I knew that there was a promise that I would not go to have to go to hell. And all of that wrapped up in one was good enough. The drawing of the Holy Ghost on my heart was good enough. And so I have to wonder here uh, what Hobab must have been thinking. McLaren said Moses pressed Hobab to change his position. Remember, he said no. To break with his past and to launch himself into an altogether new and untried sort of life. The chances are, so you come in contact with, maybe it's in high school, maybe it's middle school, elementary school, maybe at college, or maybe, uh, maybe at the job, maybe at a store somewhere, maybe even at church, and God puts them in your path, and you give them the invitation, and you give them the promises of what God has given you, then they, they may be thinking, well, I've got a family. Well, I, I've, I've tried, I've tried several things of religion, and they haven't worked. My dad spoke to a, a, one of the, the, the nurses um, last week while he was in the hospital. And my daddy was laying flat of his back and couldn't hardly understand what he was saying. young man's name is David. I've been praying for him since last week. And my dad said, do you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? And the man asked him what he said. He said it again, Nick. And he says, well... I'm not particularly religious. He said, I've tried some of that and never did work. My daddy said, have you ever tried Jesus? The man finished what he was doing and left. Never saw him again. But that could be probably our answer to a lot of questions that we'll receive. Well, I've tried church and got hurt. I've tried this and it just didn't work for me. But have you tried Jesus? I love this church. I love church. But I don't come to this church because of the color of the carpet or the temperature or the padded pews. I don't come to this church because of the name of it. I come to this church because of the Savior. I come to this church because of who it represents. I just, this ain't got nothing to do with nothing. But if it starts representing someone other than God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, I hand you my keys. Because I don't want to have no part of it. And you ought to hand in your keys too. God cares about every single person that we meet. They, they may not look the part. God cares. We ought to give them an invitation. Come, come with us. Number three, last. Who guaranteed this invitation? 
You see, it was Moses that was speaking at the beginning of verse number 29. But Moses says, hey, we're journeying unto the place that the Lord said, I will give it you. He said, come with us. We'll do do good for you. For the Lord hath spoken good things concerning Israel. Who guaranteed this invitation? It was the Lord. It was Jehovah. You see, Moses had received the promises of Israel when he was with God. When that bush was burning, but it was not consumed by the fire in Exodus chapter 3 and 4. You see, it was there that God gave Moses some some uh, some promises. And Israel's future was secure, was just as secure as was God's promise. If God said it, that settled it. And Israel's future was settled because God said it. Listen to this. The Lord's, the Lord guarantees our salvation. The promise to save everyone that would come to Him is still a sure promise. Hebrews chapter number 7, verse number 25. Wherefore He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to maketh intercession for them. Albert Barnes said this about that word uttermost. This does not simply imply forever, but that He, Jesus Christ, has the power to save them so that their salvation shall be complete. Sounds a whole lot like the word earnest to me. It sounds like the, a word that means that He will complete it until it is complete. He will continue until you reach Him in the air. He will continue until you see Him face to face. We see also in John chapter, 1 John chapter 5 verse 13, Brother David read this this morning, His promises will keep us all the way. First John chapter 5 verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. This word know, it gives us a picture of staring at an image until we understand everything about it. It gives us an image of gazing at something until we figured out all of its nuances. And he says there in verse 13 that ye may know that ye have eternal life. How can we know? Because we believe on the name of the Son of God. It's, brother Jody, it's as if we, we, we can look at God and we could stare at Him and we could go to the other side and we can stare at Him and we can go to this side and we can stare at Him and we find out, you know what, He ain't never changed. Amen. We can find out, you know what, He made my granddaddy a promise and I never, never heard my granddaddy say that He messed up that promise. 
And we look at him a little bit closer and we say, you know what? I heard my mama testify about the things that God promised. And she never complained about God letting her down on the promise. And then he goes all the way back here and he begins to look and says, no, he looks the same back here. He looks like the same God, old preacher down the road used to preach about. He looks the same every way I look at him. There is something about him. There is a knowledge that we glean from staring. There is a knowledge that we glean by casting our eyes upon him. And the knowledge is, because we believe in Him, there's no need to doubt Him now. There's no need to wonder if He'll come through on His promise. There is no need to worry if God is going to do what He said He'd do. There's just just no need. Who guaranteed this invitation? Jehovah. The self-existent One. The One that was. The One that is. The one that will be. The one that never changes. He said, I will give it you and I have spoken good concerning you. See, this came from God. Now, Hobab, as far as we can tell, Hobab, I told you he was a Bedouin. That means he was not a Jew. He was not of the Jewish faith. So it kind of makes me wonder if that's why he didn't initially follow them. I don't... Y'all seem weird to me. Y'all do things that we just... We don't do it that way. Y'all eat things. Like we eat everything. Y'all don't eat like we eat. Y'all don't, but ho, 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 Hobab might have said, y'all don't dress like we dress. He likely did not follow Jehovah as did Moses. I don't believe that he was a believer. But I could only imagine how in the brief time between verse number 29 and verse number 33, I can only imagine in this brief time standing before Moses that he must have thought about all of the works of this Jehovah that he had heard about. Remember, Moses was his brother-in-law. You better realize, better recognize, however you want to call it, somehow or another he had heard what God had been doing. I don't know if they had carrier pigeons, UPS, I don't know what they, ha- I don't know how they communicated back then, but I have some sort of a feeling that maybe Hobab understood that just a little while ago the Red Sea had gotten parted. And all of this million plus people went across on dry land. Brother David, I have to wonder if old Hobab didn't, wasn't, wasn't kind of distracted. Moses was telling him, hey, come go with us. And, there's a cloud hanging. <laughs> like, what's up with the cloud? What's this cloud for? Um, how does that even work? Clouds are supposed to be up there. That's just God. <laughs> That's just Jehovah. He's leading us wherever we... Huh, okay. I can imagine how Hobab must have thought after hearing all the stories. I remember... I remember Moses, remember the story of Moses, 
he should have been killed. But somehow he was delivered and he ended up growing up with the Pharaoh's daughter and ended up back with his mama. And now he's leading the people of Israel. Surely that had to be the hand of Jehovah. I can imagine how Hobab must have been thinking. Now this is between these three verses. And his initial response was, no, I don't think so. I'm going back to mom and daddy. Going back to everything I knew. I'm comfortable here. No. But then I wonder, Buster, if he might have thought, I remember that they said in Israel or in Egypt that there was a bunch of flies came through there and was just a plague to Egypt, but it didn't bother any of those from, from Israel. I wonder if he got to thinking, I remember the Nile River turned to blood. Everything in it died. But the people of Israel, they were fine. I wonder maybe if he thought back to that fateful night when the darkness covered everywhere. And the darkness was so dark that you could feel it. Makes me wonder if Hobad may have somehow heard the story how that that night the children of Israel killed a lamb for each house and and covered the doorpost and the lintel. But Israel or Egypt didn't do that. And the firstborn of man and beast died in the course of one night, but not a single soul in Israel died. I can imagine as he went back to maybe verse number 29, and he remembered the word that Moses said, the Lord said. I can, I can imagine as he said, I, I know that Moses is inviting me to come with him. And I know that the people need me there. And, and I can do this and I can lead them. But there's something else. He talked about Jehovah. He talked about somebody bigger than Israel. He talked about somebody bigger than Moses. He could have very easily, Nick said, listen, Hobab, if you'll do this, I'll take care of you. That's not what he said. He said, if the Lord takes care of us, then we'll, by Him, take care of you. You can imagine as he thought about all of those things that happened By the hand of God to the people of Israel. Moses is saying there in verse 32, if you go with us, he said, it shall be that what goodness the Lord shall do unto us, the same will we do unto thee. And they departed. There's someone today, all they need is an invitation. They may have tried a religion. They have maybe tried their family. They have tried everything that you could think of. The only thing they've not tried is God. Or maybe somebody that you know, maybe you've talked to them, maybe you've tried to witness, and they're waiting for one last invitation. Come. 
go with us. See, we may not see a, a river turn to blood. We may not see the sea parted. We may not see all the miracles that they saw in that generation. Tanya and David, the girls sing the song, Miracle in Me. We could go into every pew and we could probably pull out something that has happened to us in every one of our lives and we could say that's a miracle of God. But church, I'm, I'm speaking specifically to the saved folks in here. Do you understand that the day that God saved you, what a miracle happened? Do you realize what transpired that day? God changed your citizenship. God changed your character. God made you a new creature. That's a miracle of God. And you and I, we have but to tell the world what God has done for us. And they may be our verse, what was it, 33 or 34? And they departed. They may say, yeah, I've heard about him. I've heard about all of the things that he's done. I've heard about God and all the things that he can do. I've tried everything else. And everything else will fail. I think I'll go with you. They're just waiting on that invitation. Come thou with us. Let's stand. Let's get a song of invitation. God in heaven, we thank you today for your blessings. We thank you for your, your word. God, I thank you for the invitation that I was, was issued one day. Lord, it started with, will you come to church with me? Then I got under the preaching and the Word of God and the Spirit of God began to say, won't you, won't you just come? So Father, I thank you for that in my own life. I thank you for those that, that I've been able to be a witness to and been able to lead to, to you. But God, maybe there's another soul maybe in here today that needs to be saved. But maybe there's a soul in each of our lives that they simply need an invitation. They may turn it down at first. But I pray that you'd let us press on. Continue to ask. Continue to invite. Continue to tell about the goodness of God. Father, we pray you'll do a work in our hearts today. Father, I ask you that you'd put someone in our path today that we can be a witness to. Lord, if not today, this week, God, would you give us the courage to say, come with us to somebody that needs to join this band of pilgrims. Have your will today. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name.